exhausted but relieved as he walked into the waiting room and found Mrs. Phillips sitting there in the chair, just anxious to learn uh, what had happened. Dr. Phillips walked uh, over to uh, the woman there and and sat down and said, well, I've, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is that your husband is alive. The bad news is, is that the, the surgery was much more extensive and the damage, which was much more severe, there was blockage. Uh, several times we lost him, but ultimately he was able uh, to be revived and he's back in his room recovering. And in a few minutes, we'll allow you to go in and see him, but things are gonna have to change. Um, he's not going to be able to work for the next six months. And you're going to have to reduce every part of stress from his life. Uh, he's not going to be able um, to, to have any anxiety. Um, you're going to have to completely change his diet. There's no more fast food. He, he needs to have um, well nutrition, good meals at home. And you need to help keep him as peaceful and calm as possible uh, and in fact you he can't do anything no no chores none of that but the good news is, is that he's alive and, and he's going to make it if, if you can keep his life stress-free then he's going to be just fine but if he starts having stress his body can't take it and he just won't make it she was so relieved she wiped a tear away from her eyes and told the doctor thank you and then in a few minutes, she was able to get up and go back and see her husband. And her husband was waking up from the surgery, and he was sore, and he was hurting, and he was anxious, too, to know what the prognosis was. And she looked at her. Uh, he looked at his wife and said, well, honey, how's it going? What, what did the doctor say? And she looked at him and said, I'm sorry, honey, you're not going to make it. <laughs> Well, that is an, an old funny preacher's joke that we love to laugh about, but it's less comical when we really think about it. Because according to Alan Dushman's book, Change or Die, people prefer the latter to the former. In fact, given the opportunity, Dr. Dushman says, is that 90% of people would rather die than make hard changes in their life. And so I want to ask you this morning, what kind of hard changes would you make in order to live a little longer? So let's imagine for just a second that you have, you have a, a genie in a bottle or, or, or an angel of the Lord comes to visit you and says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to guarantee that you'll live to be 100, but you have to give up something. What would you give up in order to live to be 100, Right? And Rusty's already thinking, well, that's only a few months away. I don't know that I want to give up anything. But what would you be willing to give up? What if, what if this genie, what if the angel said, if you give up coffee, I will allow you to live to be 100? How many of you said, nope, I'm out of here? How many of you are saying, I'm pointing the car to Starbucks right now? How many of you, if given the opportunity to live to be 100, would give up air conditioning? How many of you would say, you know what, I am just going to go sit in my air-conditioned house for the next 24 hours because that's all I'm going to have left? How many of you, if you were told you could live to be 100 years old, but you would die the minute you left the city limits of Hobbes, how long would you be alive? 
How about this? How about this? How about you were told you would live to be 100 as long as you never attended a worship service again? How many of you would say, you know what, I'm going to spend a few months, a few years staying away from church? What if you were told you would live to be 100, but you always had to attend every service that there was? What changes would you make to ensure that you would live a little longer? As a church, what changes will we be willing to make if we want to be around in a hundred years? But what about this? What changes would you and I make to start affecting lives here in Hobbs this very week? What if it wasn't about a number far off? What about really making changes and transforming lives here in Hobbs? I want to spend some time in the text, so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me. We're going to be in John chapter 5. It's a story we're really familiar with, but I really love uh, hearing this story and talking about it and, and seeing if we can glean some truths from it. So we'll be in John chapter 5 this morning. We'll start off in verse 1. It says, sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was, had been there, who, excuse me, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now let's stop right there. We kind of got the background of what's going on. Jesus is heading up to Jerusalem. There's going to be a lot of people there. There's a feast going on. And as you go near the sheep gate, you can see there are these, these five colonnades and underneath that is this pool. And if you look in your footnotes, you're going to see that, that at different times the water would be stirred and the first person to go in the water would be healed. And so Jesus is heading there. He, he goes to this particular particular location and as he gets there he sees a man and we don't know how he finds out it says he learns that he's been an invalid for how long 38 years that's a really really long time for most of us that's over half of our lives for 38 years he's been an invalid for those anybody watching the chosen series we had a few people been watching this I don't want to shame anybody. I don't want to say you're not a good person or a good Christian or not going to heaven. But I want to say that is a, an amazing resource. And I want to encourage you, you can go online. Type in The Chosen. You can watch it for free. It, it is eye-opening. And, and in some ways, I even want to say it's life-changing. It takes the scriptures and it adds in some parts that, that, that doesn't change it. But it allows you to think about the way people saw Jesus. And, and they have a fascinating take on, on this particular story. So we're in John chapter 5. We're at the, the pool uh, of Bethesda. And here this man is lying there. He's been there for 38 years. And Jesus learns of his situation. Right? And so we know basically what's going on. This man has just, he's had a rough life. Regardless of, of when uh, he became an invalid, when he was paralyzed, uh, he spent at least nearly four decades 
nearly four decades, most of his life for sure, lying around. And so we're going to get to John chapter 5, verse 6, but I don't want to go all the way. Some of you are already tempted to read ahead. Don't. In fact, don't even look at your Bibles. Turn off your phone. Just put your finger in the Bible and close it because I don't want us to go too far. But listen to this. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in, in this condition for a long time, he blank. What did he do? Don't, don't look. Don't, I, don't want you, I want you to think, what should he do? Jesus walks there to the pool. He sees a man who has been lying there for 38 years, and he does what? <clears throat> what should he do? Son of God, the ability to heal. He has love and compassion on people. What does Jesus do next? Why? No, that's, not, that's, not, that's, that's, what, that's what he does, but that's not what he should do. What should Jesus do right then? He should heal him. Is there any question why? I mean, there are other times he doesn't ask questions. We remember the story, right, of, of the widow who's walking down the road. She's weeping. She's obviously widowed. She's lost her husband. Now she's lost her only son. Jesus walks up, doesn't say a thing to her, touches uh, the boy who's dead, and he comes back to life. This is a great opportunity. He's been through such turmoil the last 38 years. He's gone through more than most of us could ever imagine. Right? And so Jesus heals him. No, but he doesn't. What does he do, Dwight? He asks a question. Now, there's a lot of questions that you might ask. But in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but this could be the silliest. This could be the weirdest. This could be the most odd. I mean, Jesus, he knows his thoughts. He knows his life. And he asks this question. He says, do you want to get well? Hello? McFly! What, what is Jesus doing here? People, read this. He's asking the silliest question. Okay, so he wants to make sure, right? He's going to ask this question, do you want to get well? I love this question. I think it's an odd question. I think it's a weird question. And I think it's absolutely appropriate. The greatest thing this man could ever hope for is about to happen. But Jesus understands that it will come with consequences. Listening to Jesus will put you in the crosshairs of the enemy. And we're going to find out a little later on in the story. That's exactly what's going to happen. But notice what the lame man doesn't do. Okay? So for those of you um, who studied a little bit of, of English and you can remember back that far, there's different types of questions. Really, there's open-ended questions and there's closed-ended questions, right? What's the difference between the two? What's a, what's a closed-ended question? That's a yes or no. Does Jesus ask an open-ended question or a closed-ended question? It's a closed. It is literally a yes or no answer. You, there's only a yes or no. That's all there is. 
But listen here. Listen to what he doesn't do. The lame man doesn't answer Jesus' question. He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, stop here. He doesn't answer Jesus' question. And so we're left with trying to figure out what exactly is he saying? Somebody want to guess? When Jesus says, do you want to get well? He gives this answer. What is he really trying to say? So, so you think he's describing the situation, Jackie? He's trying. Now, we can read his response in several different ways. And I think some of us might be inclined to read it as this is an excuse. Like, this is why, like, hey, I can't do it. I'll try. But I want to imagine, especially based on what Jesus is about to do, I'm tempted to believe that this isn't an excuse at all. I think this is what he's saying. This is just me. This is not the NIV. I didn't go to the Greek. This is just what I'm guessing that he's saying. I think he says, I can't get to the pool. No one will help. I've tried. I'm powerless. I kind of get the feeling. I can't. I don't think this is an excuse. I think he's saying legitimately, like, here's the problem. Like, I want to. I want to get well. Of course I want to get well, but, but I've tried. It's not a lack of, of effort. Uh, in fact, if you go back, and I'll, I'll give just a tiny bit of a spoiler, and, and watch The Chosen. Please watch The Chosen. It's great. But, but they, as Jesus asked this question, the guy kind of says, like, hey, people literally step over me. Like, I am right next to the water. I have laid here. I've waited. And right when it gets stirred up, people will literally jump over me to get in the water, and I can't make it. The desperation, the frustration in his voice. He says, I've tried. I just can't do it. And I suspect, though I could be wrong, but I suspect if he didn't really want to be well, if, he, if this was just an excuse, I don't think Jesus would have healed him. I don't think Jesus was going to give for him what he really didn't want. Jesus was just reminding him, hey, I want you to know that this is going to be a really, I'm going to say a bad word, so hold your ears if you need to. If you've got little kids, hold their ears. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be a really big change. I said it. I'm sorry. It's a Sunday morning, but I had to say it. There's going to be a really big change in your life. And with that change will, will come heartache, and you're going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to put you in situations that you weren't before. Yeah, life was tough. For 38 years laying by the pool. But I want you to know, standing up doesn't make everything easier. You know, we're convinced that if we make those certain changes, maybe things will, will get better. But, but it doesn't always happen that way. So here's what I really want to get at. Okay, this is the question I think he's really asking the paralytic. He says, 
Are you willing to change? I think that's the real question. Are you willing to give up what you have to get something different? What will it cost you and are you willing to make that sacrifice? This miracle, it was no accident. It was perfectly planned. Jesus knew when, where, and why he was doing it. This is really important. If you go back and look at the miracles of Jesus, it, there almost always is an attempt to reveal a greater truth or to create a teachable moment. And this is just another example. And so what do you suppose Jesus is trying to teach or reveal? The, the miracle, the story, the teaching moment does not stop here. So we're going to pick up in, in verse 9. Okay, so uh, let, let me back up for those of you who missed, just in case. Uh, verse 8 says, Then Jesus said to him, uh, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And we could have a sermon series just on that statement. Alone. I love the fact that he not only says, Get up, he says, Take your mat with you. Now, that's going to be a weird deal. And we don't have time to talk about that today, but some other time we'll talk about that. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Okay, so that's a You think it, that should be the end of it. But this is where the teachable moment, the greater truth comes in. Listen to this. It's the same verse, but it's a completely different paragraph. But listen to this. The day on which this took place was a what? Oh, no, he didn't do that. Jesus, this guy has been laying there for 38 years, longer than Jesus has been alive. Okay? Jesus has a six out of seven chance of meeting that guy not on the Sabbath. Do you think he forgot what day it was? If Jesus had showed up on a Friday, the day before the Sabbath, do you think he was going to bolt there and say, I can hurry and get to this guy? I've got to go to the sheep gate today. No. He says, I'm going to wait. I'm going on the Sabbath. This was no accident. Why in the world would Jesus pick Sabbath to do it? Remember, what's the really big, what's the question Jesus is really asking? Do you want to change? Think about this. Think about that question. He intentionally goes on the Sabbath. And what he is thinking and what he wants to ask, not just the man laying there by the pool, but a larger group of people, what he's saying is, do you want to change? So picking up in verse 10. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to what? Carry your mat. Jesus, the guy who healed him, said carry your mat. If you haven't been able to walk in 38 years, and somebody says, I want you to walk, and by the way, pick up your mat, are you going to be like, no, no, sorry, I'm not allowed to do that on the Sabbath. 
Thanks, appreciate the healing. It's awesome, it's great, but I can't do it. He picks up his mat and he walks. But there are some Jewish leaders there who see a man walking through with his mat. And they say, no, 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 stop, you can't do that. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So if they were confused about who he was, they now know. And probably some of them know well enough that this is the man who had been there by the pool for 38 years begging for food, for clothing, for a shove into the water when it was stirred up. And he is walking. This is really, really good news. This is phenomenal news. Well, not exactly for everyone. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick, it up, pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And so Jesus heals him and then takes off. And the man's left with his mat and legs that work. And the last thing he remembers hearing from Jesus was, walk, get up and walk. And take your mat with you. And he says, I'm going to do just that. Remember the question Jesus asked. Are you willing to change? If we go back to the statistic that we talked about earlier, this man at the pool was in the 10% who, would, who said, I will make changes in order to have life. But he is just in that 10%. Because this story is not about a man sitting by a pool. It's about a group of people sitting in a church. The story puts the spotlight first on the Jewish leaders. Now remember, let's think about who they are. We always associate the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the synagogue rulers. We always classify them as the bad guys. But let's just back up for just a second and, and look a little closer at their lives. They all have spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours in the temple. We say the temple, it could be the church. They spent thousands of hours in the church. They spent thousands of hours reciting prayers. They've spent hundreds of days fasting. They have spent multiple times making offerings. They memorized entire books of the Bible. They strictly obeyed hundreds of of loss and what do they get their temple their religion their worship their nation was all under attack Rome was taxing soldiers were defiling and people were drifting and they were getting squeezed from every side. Other believers, churchgoers, were perverting the scriptures. Other cultures 
had insisted that they shouldn't be such self-righteous bigots who believed that there was only one God, that there were other ways. There were their own people who were tired of the oppression from the government. The once great nation was falling apart. And Jesus asked them, Do you want to change? What will you give up? I think we have to be careful not to be snarky and judgmental when we think about these people. Because Jesus has a really big ask for them. He's asking them to go against what they've learned, what they've witnessed from their parents, and what they vowed that they would never give up. They were devout, they were passionate, and they were unyielding. And these are not bad character traits. I think I'd like someone to use those words to describe me and to describe us. Jesus had a really big question for the leaders who had sacrificed time, money, and desires. They had chosen not to have wives, to follow strict rules, and to constantly study and defend scriptures. They loved God and they saw how Rome had oppressed the people, stifled religion, and blasphemed their one true God. And Jesus asked them, are you willing to change? Will you change your sacrifices, the rules, and the past? Will you give up your heritage and what you've known, your routines, your understanding of what you believe is right and wrong? He's e even going to ask for their place of worship, the great temple. If you listen closely, I think Jesus is asking the same question in a not-so-different world to us today. You see, we are the lame and the blind, the rich and the religious. Some of us have been paralyzed for decades. Others of us have lived vibrant lives. But the question we have to ask is, if we are devout, passionate followers of God, and we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus, are we willing to change? What would we possibly give up in order to reach lives here in Hobbs? If changing attire, changing attitudes, changing the way we spend our time and our money, changing what shows we watch or how much time we spend watching it, if that leads to the gospel being shared, is that something that we'll give up? Or are we willing to say, I'm just going to stay by the pool. It's what I know and it's what I've done. I want to leave you this, with this last statement before we have this song of invitation. Waiting by a pool won't heal you. 
but following Jesus' will. Will you change for Him? I want you to think about this this morning as we stand and sing.